Hello everybody and welcome to Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Dr. Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week we return for the second part of the trilogy that is Kung Fu Panda with Kung Fu Panda 2. And I'm joined as always by someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film and returning for her second trip to Kung Fu Panda Land, it's Dr. Sarah Curtis. Yay. Dr. Sarah, how are you doing? Well, we'll see how I feel by the end of this. Mm. Now, Kung Fu Panda 1, it's fair to say you didn't love. Not particularly. But you also didn't despise. It wasn't the worst thing I've seen so, on this podcast. Y- yes, we, we have seen some pretty bad films, though. <laughs> um, so, so what are you expecting or hoping for Kung Fu Panda 2? Improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping, well, I'm hoping that they'll continue their, their trend of having really excellent background animation and mm-hmm. art, because that was really pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping they'll keep up the great music, because that was excellent. I'd say I'm hoping that they'll improve the, the character animation, but... We've seen the trend of these sorts of things tend to get worse in sequels, so I won't hold my breath. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see whether or not that is the case. Um, luckily for you uh, and for me, because we're now entering into the Kung Fu Panda films that I haven't seen, we are joined by someone who has seen Kung Fu Panda 2. It is Jason Dolly. Hello. How are you guys? Uh, pretty good, Jason. How, how's life in uh, the yeah. world of Jason? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Very, Excellent. very good. Uh, Kung Fu Panda 2. Yes. Uh, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can you tell us about this film? Um, I think, I little story about how I first watched it. So I watched Kung Fu Panda 1, like in the cinemas in whenever it was, 2007 or something. Uh, 2008. 8, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of around then. And yeah, it was fine. And then I didn't watch Kung Fu Panda 2 or 3 until a few years ago. And I was just like, oh, yeah, those were good films. And I went back and I was watching Kung Fu Panda 2 and I was like, this is very good. Mm. Like, it was one of those more remarkable things than saying this is an amazing piece of cinema or something. Right. But I was, I did enjoy that. And I think this, this does a really good thing about trying to be, like, you know, essentially at the end of Kung Fu Panda 1, it's like the end of the Matrix. It's like he gets the powers and now he's got the powers. He's the one. Yeah, he's the one. Mm. He's the dragon warrior. And it's like, where can you go from that? And they do an incredibly good job of finding somewhere to go from that with the character of Poe. Okay. So, because um, that's what I always thought. I thought, oh, Kung Fu Panda 2 is going to be bad because, you know, he essentially it's the Matrix or it's mm-hmm. where, where does it go? But it finds a really good balance of, like, if someone, I was reading something about this kind of in half preparation for this, which is Kung Fu Panda Ma, uh, 1 is about the body and 2 is about the mind. Does that mean they're going to cut down all the fat jokes? Uh, yeah. I Good. would say so. I think so. I think, I think because this one came out 2010, 2012. It was three, three years later. Three so years later. So it's one yeah. of those kind of, it's not like they did them, did them, did them, did them, and there's a gap mm-hmm. for a bit of it. So hopefully, I don't remember too many of them. I think there's more just them just being, oh, it's a panda more than anything else. Yeah. See, I don't remember there being that many in the first one. And then we watched <laughs> it and it was... There's a lot. Uh, Every yeah. second line? It was, it was chock-a-block. It there was, we go. Yeah, it was, it was pretty... Well, I guess at this point, it's it's... You can't underestimate him, so maybe mm. there is that ability not to. Yeah. So. Well, well, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Um, and I, I am curious to see how it goes in terms of whether or not it is a, a, a better, uh, sort of like uh, the sequel that improves on it. Well, basically, is it Shrek 2 to Shrek? Um, is it Toy Story 2 to Toy Story, where they mm. took that original concept and really refined it? And made it better, yes. 
Yeah, because I think I think it does, or mm. at least it can. Like, it's definitely not a drop. Mm. I would say that much. It it isn't Return of Jafar to Aladdin or something like right, that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a severe drop. So yeah, I don't know. Return of Jafar was was fun. Yeah, it was much cheaper. It was cheaper. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I liked how the genie sounded a little bit like Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson that was, all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. Was, that was that was. I loved that. <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, with all that being said, shall we watch Kung Fu Panda Two? We should, if we must. We mm. definitely must. Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to skadoosh again. <laughs> Thank you so much to have the noodle dream. Yes, as we watch. Watch Kung Fu Panda 2. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Kung Fu Panda 2. And by we, I, of course, mean my special guests, Jason Dolly. Skadoosh. And Dr. Sarah Curtis. Not a doctor. Sarah, that was your first time watching Kung Fu Panda 2. It was. What did you think? It was way better than Kung Fu Panda 1. Yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> I I was really... I really loved this one. I quite liked the first one, but yeah, this was this was pretty good. <laughs> what, what specifically, um, if you could nail it down to a couple of dot points, I guess, what, what, what specifically about this one was, was better for you? Less fat jokes. Mm. Um, still some. There were still some, but they were not, ha ha, he's fat. They were, hey, let's, you know, change the, the story and, you know, mm. let's actually make this a positive rather than a bullying technique. He wears it more as well. Like, mm. it's, there are some jokes about it, but it's, in the, in the end, it's seen as a negative mm. or he doesn't care. Yeah, he kind of like throws it back at people and goes, oh, you're the bad guy. Stop being a dick kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I did feel as though there were more jokes about him being hungry a lot, but yeah. that they, but that that wasn't a bad thing. Yeah, it was mm. very supportive. It was like this is part of you, this is part of who you are, and we're gonna help you get some food and kick ass at the same time. Mm. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I agree. I think the 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 was it was certainly a lot less confrontational than the um, than the fat jokes in the first <laughs> one. Yeah, I mean there was a slightly transphobic joke, which you know. Yes, with the Sitsang goat. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the comment about the beard, and then they kept going on about it. It was like, mm, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. I think that's just the joke of putting your foot in it and then just not knowing how to get it out sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've seen that one a lot, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Jokes were slightly better. Uh, what, what else was there? How did you go with the character animations? Did they did they bother you as uh, much in this one? The, they didn't bother me as much. Okay. I liked the bad guys. Okay. Uh, and since there were so many of them, I enjoyed the character animations better this time. Okay. Uh, especially the boyfriend wolf, uh, who was obsessed <laughs> with how cuddly Poe is. Yeah. And just was kind of... <laughs> Got to get him his stupid, soft, cuddly, handsome face, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and who, you know, suddenly died, which was very upsetting. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved all the peacocks. Um, and especially Gary Oldman Peacock. Yeah, Lord Chan. Chan. Really... Just a really cool design. It was a, it's a great design because you think, oh, the villain's a peacock and the first thing you see in fight is a rhino. It's like, it's kind of worked. Mm. Yeah, so. it, was, it was a really lovely design. And I have to say, Gary Oldman is such a joy <laughs> to watch. Uh, listen to. Well, listen to, I guess, in this case. Sounded like he was having fun. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he was, he was so... Lord Chen was fantastic as a villain. <laughs> he was a real piece of work. Mm. And it was, it was 
just really fun hearing Gary Oldman go, what? <laughs> just getting more frustrated as the film. All the parts on. where he practices his big speech and then yeah. just like, you know, we pan him again. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that was, it was lovely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think this is a really polished version of that first film. It's almost as though they've gone, okay, we know what worked and now we're going to improve upon it. I, I really mm. love, love the use of, 2d animation which yeah. is something Gorgeous. that they did a lot of well they didn't do as much of they did really well in the first film where they had where poe was imagining what it would be like to be the dragon warrior and they used the 2d animation to kind of show that that's his like dream state and then they pick that up for this film where the memories that he's mm. uncertain about are animated and anything that's in the past is animated and they, they were beautiful. Yeah. And when he finally knows the truth about like what's going on, mm. that's 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, it was just very well done, which mm. was nice to see. I love the, um, the, um, kind of shadow puppet theater as well. Yeah, that was really cool. At mm. the beginning when it's the explanation of the, the prophecy yeah, and whatnot, how it's, yeah, it does that and like your and characters kept, will flip and they just flip. They kept calling back to that as well, like around the city where, you know, they're doing a, a fight sequence and there's some shadow puppetry and oh shit, you know, now it's been interrupted <laughs> and mm. stuff like that. So <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, I, I have to say, I don't think there's much they did that was worse than the first film, to be honest. So, um mm. I thought they used the Furious Five a lot better in this film as well. Yeah, yeah, you understood why the point of, like, do you need a Dragon Warrior when you have the Furious Five? Mm. And it's like, you do, and then they're kind of together. It's Yeah, because in that first film, it a little bit of me is going, why is Seth Rogen a praying mantis? Like, what, it, 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 have, has the Furious Five been built to essentially just have your stunt casting. So it's like, this film's got all these actors in it. Yeah. Like, it's got Angelina Jolie and Lucy Liu. And, uh, so you need the Furious Five Jackie just Chan. because they're the five stars of Kung Fu. Yeah. Whereas in this version, it actually felt like they were much more a part of the world and that their mm. individual characters were a little more well-realized. Because really, it was kind of like, Tigress and the Funky Bunch in the first film, where it's kind of <laughs> just... We like Jackie her. Chan had like two lines? Yeah. Whereas in this one, he's, he's not got a lot of lines, but... He was probably paid per line, so like we can't afford <laughs> anything else. Well, fun thing is Jackie Chan did uh, the voice of his character in the uh, Cantonese Mandarin versions of this film as well. So um, he, he would have got paid quite a lot, accumulatively, <laughs> I guess, if he was being paid by line, because he did three versions of the film. But, um, I, but like, yeah, like, um, the... Yeah, his, his Monkey Warrior character had more of... We kind of understood he was a bit more of a goofball, I guess, yeah, in this film. Yeah. Or, yeah, they just, I just feel like they fleshed out everything around that central character of Poe really well. In this I think it's because they, they made it seem like they were actually friends. Like, you know how you watch films, say, I don't know, The Avengers, and they mm. all come together and you don't believe that they hang out at any point? Like, mm. I believe that these guys hang out and mm. that they have in-jokes and that they do their training and they then go and sit in someone's bedroom and chat mm. and braid mm. each other's hair Which or you whatever. kind of do see a few times. Mm. The mm. beginning bit with the, um, uh, with oh, the, the food, Indian dumplings yeah. and so on. They do that. And then when they're on the boat, literally when they're all asleep, two of them go and talk mm. and so on. So maybe that's what they've got there. And then literally they talk, they have the heart to heart. And then the other th- three or four come in mm. and say something about the situation as well. It could also be because they're not antagonists in this film, yeah. which obviously in the first film, they they don't get on board with the Dragon Warrior till the end of the film. Yeah. 
Um, and they're beaten up for half of it too. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I think they just built really well on what those sort of like, I guess, stereotypes of like, just like antagonistic, like almost like kids that pick on someone mm. in school. It did feel a little bit like that, and also. It, it, they kind of had to for that first film to be about, you know, Poe not fitting in. and about So they him. have to be the same as one because he's so different yeah. as well. Like, they're all grumpy and, like, you see bits of, like... In this, you've got... The crane is kind of cowardly. Mm. Um, Mantis is aggressive. Um, Viper is happy. Tigress is standoffish. And Monkey is a goofball. Yeah. And in the other one, they're all kind of one. They're just disciplined warriors, and mm. that's their personality. So at least they've kind of given them extra bits to go with. Yeah. Um, I was a little sad we didn't have a lot of Shifu in this film, but also <laughs> I get it. I, I think it was a good choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, when he shows up, you're like, hey, yeah, you, you can come hang too. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. Well, it's like, you know, all those stories where, you know, you have to get rid of the master in some way, either imprisoning them or sending mm-hmm. them off into exile onto a different planet so that they don't overwhelm yeah. the bad guys with their you, you power. Have to, you have to Charles Xavier it. Yeah. Mm. Which is, he always has to be taken out of commission somehow mm-hmm. because he can solve everything to start with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, although I do like the progression of Shifu's character between the films where now he is the master, but also he has found inner peace because of all his personal shit he dealt with in the first yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really well explained as well where he's like yes uh, i i was wrong in the first film and not only did i acknowledge that at the end of the first film but who i am in the second film reflects that i still hold that belief yeah they haven't like you know he hasn't grown beyond it but then reset and so he's still the same dynamic Mm. because that always annoys me about sequels it's like did we learn nothing from film one yeah Yeah, it's it doesn't build sometimes and this one you build Mm. because he was ugwe more than he was shifu mm. but i do like and this is something that I think this film does really well. Um, he still retained... A little bit of bitterness. Yeah, like like the fact he's like, you mastered inner peace, and at such a young age. It's like, <laughs> just like he's so annoyed that Poe <laughs> is really good at this. But I think they do it really well with, with, with all the characters, and Poe in particular, just because he's the dragon warrior, he still struggles with a lot of the things he struggled with in the first film. Uh, you know, stares. Like, stares he, are yeah. hard. Yeah. He even says, my old enemy... Stairs. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's just really nicely considered. You can tell yeah. a lot of good thought did go into the construction yeah. of this. Yeah, and the idea is he's just good at kung fu, and it's within those bases he's great. Mm. But other things that should be easier because mm. of his mastery of kung fu are still hard. Yeah. Which is a good joke because it's played for it's played for jokes, but it's not played seriously. It's a bit like it's a better version of like the episode two Yoda fight, like how he just jumps and runs around, and then he picks up his cane and walks off. Mm. That's just, it's not earned in a way for that bit. But this yeah. one, you feel like, yeah, no, it makes sense that he just sucks at other things, but he's really good at the one thing he likes. Because it's consistent. And yeah. also it helps for the bad guys to underestimate him. And you're like, okay, mm. whether this is intentional on his part or not, like he is setting himself up to succeed because mm. he sucks at other things. Yeah. The story of this film uh, it is, as, as Jason said in the preview, uh, more about the, the mind than the body. Mm. Um, Poe is seeking inner peace um, because he's feeling turmoil um, which is brought to the front of his mind when the wolves first attack the village to steal the metal from the village of musicians which is a fun concept just so pacifist 
Yeah. yeah. Like um, they just all sit around and practice their music all day. Like yeah. who <sighs> cooks, who cleans, who, you know, makes the musical instruments. Ah, well, we go to the, the village of cooks and cleaners. Yeah, to, they have to, to come along done. every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, he, he sees the, the Eye of Sauron or whatever that design is. Well, the peac- it's a peacock eye. The peacock eye. It's like an eye peacock eye of Sauron. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the peacock eye of Sauron. And yeah. um, he, he has a flashback to this memory of his mother uh, abandoning him. Mm. And it disturbs him. It throws him off his, his internal balance. And, so and he gets whacked is, with a hammer. And he gets whacked with a hammer, which throws him off his physical balance. And yeah, yeah it, it was it, love at first hit. Yeah. <laughs> the, and then it becomes a story of him trying to find... Um, find, find that inner peace and, and very much addressing a really key part of kung fu and, and kung fu storytelling is about yeah okay so you can physically punch a bunch of stuff but can can you look after your mind as yeah. well and can, can like it's like not just being able to hit things makes you good at kung fu because mm. we've seen with tai lang in the first film yeah he was like the, the toughest greatest warrior in in the whole of china but he was not he, he didn't have the inner peace. He didn't have the yeah. balance. And again, it's because of problematic uh, parental figures, which yeah. we see in this film as well with Lord Shen. Yeah, with his parents or mm. his understanding of the prophecy. Yeah, mm. I mean, I wouldn't call his parents problematic. They, mm. they, they kind of were looking <clears throat> after him and hanging out with him and being good parents. And then he got told that he would be defeated um and you know, turn to evil so he went and killed a bunch of people mm. and they were rightly horrified yeah mm. like i don't know how you'd react if your kid turned <laughs> out to be a mass murderer but i probably wouldn't immediately go hey it's cool like that's fine let's yeah. go have dinner i think i think the parental relationship like is less so with shen but more with not to go back to tongue Fu panda one but it's with tai Ling because mm. they both found children adopted mm. one by Shifu and one by um, Mr. Mr. Ping. Ping. Yeah. Um, God, I love Ping. Greatest dad. <laughs> yeah, we were saying, is, might he be the best dad in cinema history? He's he's up there. Yeah, he's up there. Kung Fu Panda 3 is a little thing for you and the audience. We'll deal a lot with with Mr. Ping. Do we get any mums? Um, yeah, with the mum in this one. She put them in the basket and then yeah. probably got murdered off screen. Yeah, yeah. Fred, um, your mums. <laughs> yeah, I think... I, I'm really sure the mum was was dead i can't remember totally mm. off the top of my head one now. day we'll have a living mum yeah yeah one day but one. it is not this day <laughs> um yeah mr i mean mr ping um was was a really like fun character yeah. not not necessarily a key part but but quite a an important part of poe's life and a of, of that mm. first film like a pretty key thing i really like and they never address the whole is he adopted? Is he not? Yeah. Do do the animals just kind of pair in as children wherever they want? Yeah. Or is it true or not? Like, I, I mean, they they do they do have that slight joke where he's like, "I need to tell you something. It's about my secret soup." Yeah. And for half a second, <laughs> you're going, "Oh, is oh, this... this is the adoption bit?" Yeah. yeah. But I like they go back to it in this film. I like that Mr. Ping has like emotional agency in this mm. film, and like it makes you really care about what is going to happen even though we know what's going to happen because we'll we know be fine because you sit there with this character you like just yeah. panicking but we, so we, we know in these stories that it's always oh yes the adopted father i'm gonna you know the one that actually raised me and showed me love i'm always gonna like that that's how these films go oh well this film goes <laughs> we haven't seen uh spoilers three yeah but th- but that's the thing is i really like that because they spent time establishing Mr. Ping and yeah. his concerns in this film that um, 
I, I just think it worked really well, yeah. and it was really lovely when, like the the, the final scene of this film, um, with with the exception of the, the little tiny <laughs> yeah. thirty seconds at the end, which we'll get onto later. Um, but it is Poe and Ping. Mm. Um, it's kind of, not him with the Fur- with the Furious Five. Or yeah, anything. it's him and his dad. Yeah, and yeah. it's just them connecting, and that is Poe's piece. Mm. Like it's him, it's him at the noodle noodle and tofu shop. I should point yes. out. Yes. Which is a nice little bit of character progression from the first film, where he's not Mr. just obsessed with noodles. Well, Mr. Pink said, "I always wanted to try tofu," and then never did. And now in this this film, he's <laughs> he's tried it. Like there's just these little tiny details where yeah. I'm like, this, "This is cool." Speaking of tiny details, it's something I noticed, especially with Jack Black, but I know they did it with Mr. Ping as well because mm. I was kind of looking for it this time. Is it's not just lines like you hear with Mr. Ping, like he'll be muttering to himself in other bits. Like, his lines go in and out like the actor was just playing with the dialogue more than it is mm. directly like that. And you see that with Jack Black's character because he'll, like, the character will mumble to himself or just go, ha, ah, like, you know, and yell all the time. So I think they gave, and I'm pretty sure I read this, that they gave the voice actors a lot of leeway to kind of, like, redo things or just kind of talk around it and they'd fit mm. the action to it later. Because, yeah, like, there's all these bits where he's just talking, he mutters and he kind of whimpers, mm. like, through other people talking because he's just trying to show how concerned he is. Mm. And it's it's really fun, like, just rewatching it then, watching the dad in, like, the first scene where he comes back to say he's heading off is, is quite good because he's just, yeah, just whimpering away to himself. Mm. So we do think that uh, Gary Oldman... Um did swear and that they had to go <laughs> yes there is yeah there's a there fire is the fire the then a pause guns, guns yeah. <laughs> and it, it was definitely something that would have been bleep worthy in the middle of i have i did point out to Stephen and l um and sarah as well um that um they have a tendency to hire the most sweary um, actors, mostly mm. British, but mm. not always, to play the villains in this with mm. um, Deadwood's... Um, Ian, uh, Ian McShane. Ian McShane in the first one. This one's got Gary Oldman, and I won't spoil who the third one is. Mm. But then it's like, you know, with Robin Williams in Aladdin, you know, basically improvising things and having them having to cut around the swearing. And <laughs> yeah. mm. Although I think he does quite a good job, or did do quite a good job, did Robin Williams of like... He wasn't actually too sweary until he was doing his stand-up. <laughs> I, I think he had a good filter on his word control. Whereas, yeah. I don't know, Peter Capaldi's <laughs> um, rhino baddie in the third Kung yeah. Fu Panda or whatever it, whoever it is that they've got, um, <laughs> you know, I, I could imagine would be would be pretty fruity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, when Billy Conley turns up, that's going to be fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the action sequences in this film are mm. really good, but I feel like they're on a par with what was being done in the first film, just just slightly more refined. Like, I, I yeah, preferred yeah. the action sequences in this one. Like yeah. the, the first film, I was kind of like, oh, and now they punch things. Great. Yeah. But in this one, I was like, oh, now we're having the car chase, except I, obviously it's not a car yeah. and things like that. Like, and they just jump on, a mo- jump on a unicycle for a bit because yeah. the cart falls apart. Mm. I, um, I, think, I think that's what they did, is they realised that like they can do impressive kung fu as much as they want, but that's kind of the domain of really good wuja films mm. so why don't we just do funnier things most of the time yeah so even in the more serious fights they'll still do something kind of funny or creative mm. as well like you know like the, the the chase scene at one point like there's about four different ways they work out how to beat each other up because they're going downstairs mm. 
like there's one point where he just holds his fist out yeah, and the other guy's bouncing, bouncing off the thing he's yeah. hitting himself in the face. Yeah, that was that was very funny. <laughs> I, and I think they do... Yeah, there's lots of creative solutions to sort of keeping those fight sequences engaging yeah, as a all, viewer. Yeah. Like the fight in the, the music village and mm. uh, incorporating the fact that when they're hitting drums, it builds the like diegetic sound into the non-diegetic music. Yeah, that was quite music. lovely. Yeah. yeah, or there's just one guy who's not paying attention. He's kind of playing the action music for yeah. like, the rabbit. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it, it's just very clever. Yeah. It's just yeah, <laughs> it's just a very clever, and even how they well put together film. Yeah, and even how they made Shen like a competent villain as well. Like mm. it's a peacock. They're not very thing. And the first thing he does is you know, as I said, beat the crap mm. out of a um, out of an alligator and a ox. Mm. And you're just sitting there just going, "Yep, cool, that makes sense." Like using the tail in these kind of very interesting ways. Mm. So the the ox and the croc. Yes, I, I know they're there at the very beginning with. Um, with Victor Garber's Rhino, <laughs> who, who is gone very quickly. Yes. Um, I kind of felt like the Ox and the Croc were a bit superfluous. They were very mm. superfluous yeah, in a way. Like, it was to add more, like, stakes to... Or the yeah. understanding of what, like, mm. the death of Kung Fu might be. Yeah. Because, you know, how can you actually kill a concept? Yeah. It's by destroying mm. the psyches of those who know it. Yeah. I mean, it really did just feel like it was like, oh, uh, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme said he's available. Cool. That, uh, throw in a crocodile. He yeah, can, throw in a crocodile, that. yeah. yeah. Um, which well, it could have just been Victor Gala. Yeah. The whole thing. It yeah. could have been, but... Yeah. He had a musical to get to, okay? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, it's it's just very well put together. Um, I, I think they did a, a really nice job of the... Uh, tragic backstory, memory unlock stuff for Poe. Yeah, with with the soothsayer, um, uh, played by Michelle Yeoh, which was <laughs> she was amazing. Yeah, like as soon as she started talking, I was on board with this film. Yeah, because yeah. she starts with the Gladriel like talk at the beginning, explaining the prophecy. Look, there yeah. were so many Lord of the Rings references in this film. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, you you knew how to how to get me back on board with this. Yeah, <laughs> especially all the Isengard sort of things. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was just very everything was well paced. But without having that sense of being formulaic, mm. even though it was quite formulaic, it didn't. It didn't feel like it because it was so well crafted. It was enjoyable. Yeah, it has. It had an. It has an honesty to it, mm. which I think is what I liked about Kung Fu Panda, in general. Like all of them, is they're very honest about what they are, and that almost gives them the liberty and the ability to be as. Not sac, but cliched almost mm. as they are. But you just never think about it because yeah, yeah, cool. This has got to get there, and they'll point it out, and they'll get there. But you never feel like it's a oh, here we go. Like yeah, it's very, re- it's very earnest. It's in earnest, the way yeah. that they approach it instead of you know we were talking before about um, it's not tongue in cheek. Yeah, you know they're not making sarcastic quips about now's the time that we punch this person. He are like it's like yeah. no, it's, this is actually part of our story, and we are going to embrace that. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't have pop culture references at all in it apart from jack black calling things awesome and being like mm. enthusiastic and that's kind of interesting is it feels like poe is <clears throat> is the one character that would fit the more sarcastic approach but it's not sarcastic how he does it no he is like being a kung fu warrior is awesome and i truly believe it and he has that I'm just going to say, like a child's mentality towards, yeah. like, we're going to fight now. Yeah, like yeah that he's so happy. Of, that sense of fun, mm. which could easily, like in another film, be, say, the exact same lines, but make made to feel very 
cynical knowing and yeah. to, to the point of maybe cynical whereas in this it's like no it's just how poe does it everyone else around him is very different you know how they mm-hmm. approach things. well even like he did this a bit in the first film as well but you know i noticed like even when he was being defeated or he saw something new but the bad guys were doing he's like this is great i'm gonna get get kicked you know by this particular kick yeah mm. i've <laughs> always wanted this like, yeah, okay, yeah, like okay. when he had the handcuffs in this film, he's like, "Oh, the HE point um, lock. This is this is, they get tighter the more you struggle, kind of mm, thing." Yeah. yeah, he's just a nerd for for getting yeah. his butt kicked sometimes. Yeah, it was it was great. Yeah. I do want to touch on before we move on the final thirty seconds of this film and the reveal, Sarah, of mm. the secret panda village. Ooh. SPV. Yes. Um, his daddy issues are coming back. <laughs> yeah. What did you What did you think of that final final bit? Ah, uh, that was good. Yeah, setting up for the third film. I'm mm. always here for a good setup, especially if they actually, you know, do it. Mm. Um, so that was nice. Uh, and my immediate thought was, is his bad guy? Is his daddy going to be the bad guy? Like, you know, who? Mm. Uh, which has already been spoiled. It's not going to happen. But <laughs> no dad Vader here. Mm. Um, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see that push and pull between this is your biological father. This is the guy who raised you. What's going to happen? Mm. Um, that's always fun. Yeah. I, I must admit, I didn't need it yeah. <laughs> when it popped up. I was like, I mean, that said, I know there's a Kung Fu Panda three because I, I'm living post <laughs> trilogy. <2011. Yeah. laughs> We're doing a trilogy month. I'm like, I'm, I'm aware how this works, but I don't know if at the time, if I was, going to the cinema to watch this and I saw that and I'd be like, oh, that means there's going to be a third one. Like that could have been potentially quite exciting. From this context, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, it's not a post credit scene, so whatever. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's, but it, it, it's sort of at that time when the post credit scene or the, the like the little breadcrumb for what comes next was really In. being used a niche, lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so a little bit of me when it came up i was like oh boo in my head like i don't need this look he used the force to, mm. to realize that his son was still alive like how did he not yeah. use the force to realize this at any other point in his life it's a nice yeah. non-consequential cliffhanger to the events of the film we've just watched though yeah like i kind of enjoy that and like going okay so we're gonna get a whole bunch more pandas in the third film cool Mm. It's like um, Shrek with the other ogres in Shrek Forever After. It's like haven't seen that one. Mm-mm. Yeah, well, just so you know, there's a lot of ogres. In, okay. in, in, I've in seen the all the other Shreks, yeah. but just not that one. Um, I mean, yeah. the, the spoiler in Shrek One is there's another ogre. Yes. <laughs> the spoiler in the fourth one is there's a lot more. Ogres. In fact, isn't the spoiler in uh, the second one is that she's pregnant with more ogres? Was that was, was that, that the second the, or third one? I think that was. Mm-hmm. The third. I don't, I think it was the third one. I can't remember. They're all, I don't know. One yeah. and two are excellent. Three's okay. Yeah. Well, let's focus on the better DreamWorks <laughs> animated 3D okay. thing, which okay. is Kung Fu Panda. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, we, we haven't I'm done, calling it. We haven't done the Shrek films yet. I mean, we did talk about them in the last one as well because of the pig animations. Yeah, that's true. Look, you're probably yeah. right. This, 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 this film was very good. Mm. I think it's very, very just well done. It's yeah. just like there's, there's very little on it where I'm like, yeah, this was a poor choice. There's a couple of things, like, you know, the, the, the transphobic joke, but uh, honestly... A that's... good film can sometimes not forgive that, but let you at least keep it in the... Well, it's more... Recover. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, they recovered from that. It's, yeah, recovered. It, it's also more, I can't think of anything else other than that, and that was a very small part of the film. Yes. 
And also, I don't think it was deliberately the people at DreamWorks going, all right, we're a bunch of dirty turfs. We've got to get at least one of these in each film. Mm. No, it feels more like, yeah, that's just a joke that doesn't necessarily fly yeah. in, a, in a 2022 viewing. Would you like some trivia about Kung Fu Panda 2? Let's do it. Skadoosh. Okay, all of this trivia comes from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. The first bit of trivia is that Lord Shen, uh, the peacock, fights hand-to-hand with a martial arts style called... Kai Li Fo, a Chinese martial art that normally uses a metal fan for defensive and distraction purposes. However, being a peacock, Lord Chen uses his large tail feathers for that purpose instead. I did recognise mm. that. Mm. It was just great. Just Peacocks are great. And, 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 and they are bastards. That's yeah, the thing. Well, they're they pricks. We, all three of us have experience of uh, performing in a... Uh, <laughs> Out local outdoor performance space here in Perth, which has Sarah and I did it less than a week ago. Yeah, yes, has, has native peacocks, <laughs> and one of them's albino. Yeah, I do like that one. Yeah. Although it's very annoying sharing the stage with them when they follow Jason around. <laughs> they did, yes, <laughs> and you have to shoo them away. Like, come on, this is my scene. Get off. Yeah, they they can be very rude. Uh, I was very pleased to hear the authentic peacock cries. Yeah, the yeah, it was like yeah, oh, yeah. when they drown out your lines. Mm. Although luckily they didn't when we were performing no. the other night. Rehearsals they were horrible. Oh, yeah, it's like they know they yeah. know that this is the show. I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> mm. um, the next bit of trivia is concerning the screenwriting for this film. Um, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Charlie Kaufman did an uncredited polish on ah. the script. Uh, previously, he noted in an interview that he saw the first Kung Fu Panda with his daughter and was impressed by the movie. And just hearing that, yeah, Charlie Kaufman did a, did mm. a scrub on this film is like, that's an odd choice. <laughs> but also, he's he's good at what he does. Yeah. But most, just... most times when you're watching an animated kids film, you go, that's an odd choice. You go, wait, what age are their children? Yeah. And that's yeah, when you, you go... suddenly realise they're, 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 they're talking to their kids. Yeah, with it. they did it for the kids. Yeah, it's just, I wouldn't have gotten the guy that wrote Being John Malkovich necessarily no. to do Kung Fu Panda 2. <laughs> but fair enough. I think, um, I think the other guys who do it are really good comedians as well. I think they worked on, oh, they've worked on a bunch of things, including like King of the Hill and mm. some very, like, you know, not just blockbustery things, but at least mm. clever animation. Mm. Uh, the design on the back of Lord Shen's robes is the Feng Huang, or Chinese Phoenix. Uh, as the dragon is associated with the Emperor of China, the Phoenix is traditionally associated with the Empress. So, ah, so it's keeping the kind of ruler, yes, style. Yeah, uh, it's also just Lord Shen, gender fluid icon, is more what I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking. He is very pretty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the soothsayer's large horns are indicative of the great emotional weight that her prophecy has on her, and her outfit itself has six different textile patterns based on an image that the filmmakers found of a native from Tibet. Okay. Yeah, so they. I just kind of like the idea of, yeah, that the horns being literally weighing her down. Yeah, and like that being she, fact, she stoops and yeah. she hunches. Does she lose them later? I don't think she's in the next one. Oh, that's rude because she was the best part of this one. (laughs) Also, I don't think that's good for goats. Yeah, yeah, no. uh, Sometimes it can be good for them, Mm. um, at least from for sheep. Yeah. So, um, I also liked how she was just—if you left her alone too long, she'd just eat some of your clothes. Yeah. (laughs) Stop that. Yeah, just retaining a little bit of the animal. Yeah, a little bit of the goat. Really lovely. Because goats are also bastards. Yes, they are. Very much. And they've got enough to back them up, or unlike peacocks, which will just kind of run away. I wouldn't pick a fight with a goat. No, you don't want to. Maybe with a peacock. Yeah. Mm. Like, goats are the 
are bastard versions of sheep. Mm. So, yeah. All right. Well, we just lost all our goat listeners. (laughs) (laughs) This is for all the farmers out there. That's disappointing. Uh, This film used over 99 terabytes of data and took more than 55 million render hours to make. We don't often get facts like that for the digital films, but I just wanted to go, yeah, 55 million million hours. hours. So that's how long it took for all the computers to do it. Yeah. So... That is crazy. Yeah. What is 55 million hours? Divided by how many computers? Yeah. Um, it would have to be a lot. Well, everyone opens up their calculators now. Yeah. And we're going to work out. I'll leave that to you. I don't math. 55 million hours would be uh, 6,274 years. Okay. Imagine doing that in real time. Yeah. They must have started making this a lot during the time of ancient China. They must have yeah, started they making must have started. this. Or maybe they had more than one computer. Ah, <laughs> okay, maybe DreamWorks can afford more than one computer. Yeah, if they have three, they can at least start around the fall of the Roman Empire. That's so... true. Okay, okay. Maybe, I don't know. I just like to imagine it's all done on one film. By, yeah. by maybe that's why the beginning is all shadow puppets. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you see technology change. Yeah. And they bought more computers. <laughs> yeah, this is just taking too long. Some of the computers went down, so they had to do the 2D animation for mm. a bit. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the animation, Poe's cheeks were animated with special new controls <laughs> to accommodate the amount of food that he stuffed into them. Just at that beginning scene? Yeah. Or they, they were had, the cheeks always new physics for the entire thing? They, they basically had to do some new cheek animations and they had to build specific controls for them to use them because <laughs> that they hadn't tried that before. Yeah. So, yeah, just pushing the boundaries every time with technology. <laughs> Look, every every animation film has their one thing that they push the boundaries yeah. of. Mm. Last, last, the last film it was The Rope Bridge mm-hmm. in the fight sequence. That was the animators like, this is hard. And the film mm. director's going, ooh. I, I think I've mentioned it before when we talk about Pixar films, but Pixar tends to, well, very early on, their ideas for a lot of those films also involved pushing the logic of a lot of technology. Mm. So with Finding Nemo, it was how you did water. It was, um, for Monsters, Inc., it was how you do fur. For Brave, it was how you do strands of hair. Mm. Um, everything kind of had something to that. So yeah. for Kung Fu Panda, it was cheeks. It was cheeks. <laughs> cheeks. One day rope. they'll put them all cheeks together. Cheeks and rope bridges. Yes. <laughs> Um, the cast was reported to have included another character, which was cut from the final film, called Master Skunkman. <laughs> Skunkman? Yes. Um, who would have been voiced by James Woods. Ah. Uh, but this uh, character was scrapped for unknown reasons. Mm-hmm. Maybe that worked out for the best. Yeah. In yeah. the end, yes. <laughs> uh, the final bit of trivia is that this film was the highest grossing film to be directed by a woman. Yes. For about six years. Um until the release of Wonder Woman in yeah, 2017. Yeah, um, so that surprised me <laughs> a bit. I was, But then I suppose it makes sense. Kung Fu Panda as a franchise was massively successful. And this yeah. film, this film did bank. I think it made about $600 million US all up. Like it was, it did very well. So yeah, the fact that um, uh, Jennifer U. Nelson, who uh, directed this film, was, yeah, the highest, the highest grossing film by a female director, which was just, Kind of cool, really. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of anything else that could have rivaled it for that. Oh, well, there might be a list I've looked at. <laughs> uh, right. The top 50 grossing films by a female, female director. You'd have... I, I have the list with me. Yeah. But... Let, me, let, me, let me make some guesses. Okay. Hurt Locker? Hurt Locker is in that. I think it's about number 11. It's going to be low, but it was, it was the first female-directed Oscar winner, Oscar-winning film. I'm just and we just had check. the second. 
So uh, it's it's okay. It's it's further. It's further down than eleven. Uh, okay. Number eleven is something's got to give. Okay, <laughs> uh, but Hurt Locker is in the top fifty from memory. Mm. Um, I can give you the top ten just as a fun thing. Yeah, let's yeah. go for it. At number ten, Bridget Jones's Diary, directed mm-hmm. by Sharon Maguire. Uh, number nine, Pitch Perfect Two, directed by Elizabeth Banks. Yep. Number eight, Doctor Doolittle from nineteen ninety eight. Oh. That was directed by Betty Thomas. Okay. Uh, number seven was The Proposal. Uh, directed by Anne Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six was Deep Impact, yep. which was directed by Mimi Leader or Leder. Uh, number five was Twilight, the first Twilight film, because oh, yeah. that was Catherine Hardwick who directed that one. Ah, but yes, yeah. That made three hundred ninety-two million dollars in worldwide ticket sales. Number four, Alvin and the Chipmunks: The Squeakquel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> also directed by Betty Thomas, that made four hundred forty-three million dollars worldwide. Mm. It has a tomato score of 20%. <laughs> Number three, Sarah, you'll be pleased to hear, it was Mamma Mia. Woo! Yeah! Uh, making $600 million worldwide, directed by uh, Felidia Lloyd. Number two, as we said, Kung Fu Panda, $665 million. Um, and number one, Wonder Woman, $821 million. It's a good film. It, it yeah. is. And uh, obviously Patty Jenkins there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was kind of... Just a, a, a nice thing to see it pop up on that list. Yeah, I um, think there's going to yeah. be a few more that have probably happened since then. Just mm. thinking about female directors, you've had Eternals with Chloe Zhao. Mm. And was... I actually enjoyed that. I know a lot of people hated it, but I thought it was fine. I thought it was. I thought it was fine too. I know. This, I know. Carmen this are, like this list is from the end of 2021. So okay, yeah. And Eternals was this year. Last year. No, last year. Okay, so it would have been. Except part of it. the problem with anything coming out post 2020 is. Did it come out in the cinema? Yes, true, uh, yeah. true. That is a good point. Because um, I think, yeah, like Black Widow would have been on there. I think that had a female director from memory. True. But I that, enjoyed that, that. Yeah. Yeah, but that was also one that was predominantly put out. In, yeah, that in was, yeah, that came yeah, out that was streaming, streaming at the same thing, time. And I think, yeah. Huge issue. Uh, $402 million worldwide. Eternals? For, for Eternals. Okay. So, yeah, it, would, it would might, be might be further down the list, but not mm. in the top 10 by the looks of it. So, yeah. yes. Um, I'm just trying to think of... Speaking of that, Captain Marvel... No, Captain Marvel was directed by two people. Yeah. Um, Bowden and Fletch, so... Yeah. Fleck. So, yeah, male and female, so that wouldn't make the list. Wouldn't make the list, no. Does not qualify. No. Sorry. Uh, but, yeah, um, all in all, a really fun film. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was very surprised with how much I enjoyed this film. <laughs> yeah. Given how much I despised the first one. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I... You, Stephen gave me the option of which one I wanted to choose, mm. and I did choose Kung Fu Panda 2 for mm. reasons. Well, Kung think... Fu Panda got me in the first half. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes, no, so... Not gonna lie. Yeah, all that remains then is for us to score the film. Sarah, it was your first time watching Kung Fu Panda 2. What score would you give it out of 10? Yeah, so obviously I did enjoy this much more than the first one, uh, so it gets points for, for bringing for me around. Being... Because I was... As you probably noticed at the beginning of this, really prepared to hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So I came in in a mood uh, and I came out in a different one. Mm. Uh, So that is pretty good. Um, The animation was decent. Like, again, I really loved the flashbacks and the 2D animation, all the background stuff. The characters were better this time. Mm. Some of them I was still like, oh, it's a bit naff. But, you know, I still enjoyed them more. Mm. Uh, The story was a lot better. Um, so it was interesting to watch. I was never bored and checking my phone like I did in the first one. Mm. Um, so points for that. Uh, a few points off for uh, transphobic jokes mm. um, and things like that. 
So all in all, I'm going to give it um, seven cannons out of ten. Excellent. Okay, that is that is a marked improvement <laughs> on the last one. Well done. That's explosive. Yes. Uh, what about yourself, Jason? Um, I am going to give it... Um, it's a tough one. I really did enjoy this. And this time, I felt just as good as the last time I saw it, which was, I think, the first time I saw it. Mm. I tried to watch it a little while ago with my wife, mm. but... Uh, something came up or the internet cut out or something along those lines. So we got to the beginning of the chase scene mm-hmm. right? and then it kind of stops. So I'm going to go with eight pooped out wolves from a dragon <laughs> out of 10. That was great. Yeah. That was, I, I love that kid going, <laughs> And they just do it about 12 more times during the fight. Doop, boom, doop, boom. Yeah. That was good. I like that. Yeah. Look, I, I really like this. Um, mm. I, I, I quite liked the first one, but yeah. but now having seen this, first one's a pile of poo. This is, <laughs> but but it, it's more that they, they've progressed things along, and I think that the other thing is is as a standalone film, I think this does a, a, a better job of of telling the story. Mm. I think it, it is a better story With, without a complete change of everything. Yeah, it's still very Kung Fu Panda, and I, you could have watched this film without having watched the first one. Yeah. And I might have preferred that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, but you'd still get the sense of it. I mean, you you wouldn't uh, obviously have the full context for how much Poe had to, like, fight to get his place as the Dragon Warrior. Yeah. But that's sort of about it. I think it does a really good job of being its own thing whilst mm. also honouring what happened in the first film. It's it's great. It's a really fun film. Um, I had a great time, so I am going to give it uh, eight Jean Claude Van Damme croc leg splits out of ten because <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, just that little bit where he split his legs open like like Jean Claude Van Damme, and I was like, good. There we go. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. So uh, yes, uh, Jason and Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch Up Club. Thanks for having us. Kung Fu Panda Three, better not disappoint. Well, that's just it. Mm. It's will it will it live up now to the to the ever increasing expectations? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe not. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we'll find out on next week's episode because next week we do conclude the trilogy uh, with Kung Fu Panda Three. If you want to listen to it and you've just found this episode, I don't know, out in the wild. You're walking down the street. There's a thumbstick on the ground. You pick it up and stick it in your laptop and it's just this audio file you might be going where do i get more <laughs> or maybe they just looked up kung fu panda 2 or that that's the more likely and then they found us that yeah because who's <laughs> actually going to stick in a thumb drive that, that, that <laughs> yeah, they've yeah. never seen before this is safe <laughs> well uh me <laughs> that explains so much in all honesty uh but yes uh if you would like to get that episode uh, the moment that it is ready for the internet then you should subscribe iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, any of those services, just click the subscribe button and you'll get the new episode each and every week. We also have a Patreon. Uh, One of our wonderful patrons, handsome devilish man, uh, suggested uh, Kung Fu Panda. Uh, It was Jason. Don't know who you're talking about. Um, Look, it beat a lot of other things, so I'm very happy. Yeah, we had quite quite a close contest uh, between (laughs) quite a few different trilogies, but Kung Fu Panda won. Uh, If you want to become a member of our Patreon, get some bonus goodies and help us decide what films to make Sarah watch three of, um, <laughs> then go to Patreon. Watch more trilogy, Sarah, and you don't get called up. Yeah. 
I mean, I've seen a lot of trilogies. I was the other guest on several of these trilogies in yes. the past. <laughs> uh, but patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast is where you can join up there. And finally, there is our Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch Up Club on Facebook and you can get news and updates there. But that is all for this week. So until next time, skadoosh, everybody. Skadoosh. Skadoosh. <laughs>